This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Episode number 73. Yeah, Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and Coach Damian Ferragamo with you today. This is our third podcast this week, guys. Yeah, happening things. Busy <laughs> times. Yeah, it is busy times. And uh, this first segment, sponsored by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville. 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. You can train there, you can play there, and you can give there. Get more information about all of their services at theedge360.net. All right, so I want to tell you, um, you guys and our listeners, um, the last time we spoke, we had Raheem Hammond on with us, and we also had Al Waters. Um, The interview with Al Waters has generated a lot of talk in the community, as you would expect, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, with the uh, with the violations and and him winning his appeal and the whole process there that we spoke about and I was very frank uh, about it and uh, you know if you haven't heard it yet I encourage you to go back and listen to episode seventy two before you listen to episode seventy three but um, you know he w- he was very frank about what he had to say and, and I think I ended it right with the fact that you know I I asked him I said he sounds salty. Because I, I did feel like he was, you know, kind of like a, I don't know, like a disgruntled employee or, or something. Because um, he's a frustration, and I understood that. Um, but we had never heard from the MPSSAA, or we had never heard from Queen Anne's County Public Schools. Well, now we have. So, um, you know, Coach, I mean, you, you, listen, you listen to all of our podcasts, and when you listened to, to, to episode 72, would you come away feeling? Well, first of all, I think it's an unfortunate situation because, um, you know, where we're at is that the, the entire Queen Anne's community and school should be getting behind whoever the head coach is. And I just don't think that's happening right now. Um, there's definitely a divide in the community. So um, I think that's really unfortunate because they're, they're a program that, that's on the rise that is, that is doing some great things, and I'm sure they're going to continue to do great things. Mike, I mean, you, you and I have had a time to talk and reflect about our interview as well. And, I mean, what what are some of the things that you kind of felt? Well, I, I think it's important to just pass along first, though, Mark, that, you know, we prefaced the beginning of the broadcast or the podcast by saying that we were hearing from Coach Waters and his side of the story that there was another side to the story from Queen Anne's that we hadn't heard from yet. And during that interview, we heard what Coach Waters had to say. We also heard some comments from him about the current coaching staff. And we didn't know exactly what he was going to say. We, we asked some questions about the impact on the program and about whether there's been some uh, you know, negative repercussions from it. And he made some comments, and we didn't know what he was going to say. And some of the things that he said, we didn't necessarily have information in front of us to be able to dispute one way or the other. 
I think we did end up saying that we're going to continue to try and get the other side of the story because usually there's you know, three sides, you know, one on each side, and then you know, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And we're, you know, we, we are doing that, and we attempted to do that. There have been some hurt feelings uh, about some things that were said and a perception by some that we kind of left it that way, that that was the gospel truth when we're happy to get the other side and been working to that end. So I'm sorry if there were hurt feelings or, or anything that people are projecting on us because of what was said, but we, uh, we didn't know what he was going to say. And again, we don't necessarily have stuff right in front of us to be able to say, Oh, well, I can dispute that, dispute that, dispute that. He said what he said, he deserved the opportunity and then we could give rebuttal. But, um, in terms of uh, it's it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty laid out situation and there's a lot of back and forth with this uh, mark and I think that's what makes it difficult as well. And, and I think in the grand scheme of things, the the whole reason is we wanted some closure to this so that we can put it behind us and move forward. And and what I mean yeah. by that is football season's coming. And, and Coach Ferragamo said it best. I mean, you need the community to rally around the new head coach. Brian Mooney's never been a head co- football coach at Queen Anne's County High School before, but this is an opportunity for him, and it's an opportunity that's been given to him, and he's going to need everybody's support to make it happen. Uh, you know, so uh, I fired off an email to both Principal Shrek and Goss at Queen Anne's County High School and Andy Warner. Um, wanting to move past the personnel issue. I didn't want to talk personnel. I wanted to talk about the violations because that's what all of this surrounded. From our interview and our questions back on episode 72, it was, well, what are those violations? Because as they were described to us from Al Waters in Queen Anne's County High School football at the time, you know, it, it sounded like those clinics were legal. Well, right. Andy Warner reached out to me, and uh, I got an email from him, and he's the head of the MPSSAA, and he said, the MPSSAA does not comment on violations identified by a local educational agency. A violation was found by the local educational agency, and penalties consistent with the regulations were imposed. Thank you for your coverage of high school athletics. Sincerely, Andy. So yesterday afternoon, on uh, Thursday afternoon, my phone rings. Um, and it was Principal Schreckengast reaching out to me. And he said, listen, before I have you ask me questions, I just want to let you know um, that, one, I, I'm a fan of y'all's podcast. I, I think that you guys do a, a great job. They love having us cover sports um, and, and covering you know Queen Anne's County high school sports as well. Uh, and, you know, he used to be at Kent Island High School, so he's a fan there as well. Um, and then he, then we got down to business, and he, he opened up to me and let me ask him questions. And those questions were based off of our interview, uh, you know, from Al, with Al Waters. And I did invite him to come on. Um, he's not available to do so. However, he did tell me that we are free to use his name and use the information that he has given me. So this is factual information as presented by Principal Schreckengast at Queen Anne's County High School. Um, the, really, before we got into it, I asked him what was his relationship with Al Waters. 
and because I asked that same question of Al, and he told me that you know, he he thought highly of Al. He says, you know, we had a supportive you know, group with Al. He wasn't looking to replace him. Uh, they they were very supportive, and and they all worked together. And you know, he he felt like he had a good working relationship with Al Waters. He's been closer with coaches, but he's also been more distant with coaches. But he was very you know forthcoming and enjoyed working with Al, and he was happy with what Al has done. What he wasn't happy with was the fact that you know this is the second time that they've had to forfeit the you know contests um you know because of violations and that led me into these violations so as they were presented to us you know Alice told us that the clinics were put on by the booster club okay and the and the logo the flyers which by the way I have looked all over Facebook now for those flyers that were out there. They were all over the place. They were on the Queen Anne's County High School football page. They were on the upper Queen Anne's County um, football page. They're all gone. I can't find them anywhere. So I have efforted and I've looked for them. But I can tell you in talking with uh, uh, folks from Queen Anne's County Public Schools and Queen Anne's County High School that the flyer had the lion logo on it and it also said that it was being put on by the booster club fine line there i said well if it's just the logo that doesn't make it illegal because the upper queen Anne group uses that same logo the same lion and and he agreed but what wasn't legal was the fact that it was the booster club putting it on Folks may not realize that, you know, the Booster Club is an extension of the football team. And while the Booster Club raises money for the football team, they're still hand-in-hand with the high school. So the fact that it was put on by the Boosters made it violation number one. Mm. The other issue is for some reason it was moved inside, okay? Um, during the season, and we mentioned this, and, and Principal Shrekgast, you know, commended us for knowing the rule here, that you can do agility training, you can do uh, weightlifting, you can do yoga, you, you can do hip-hop dance, whatever you want with your whole team, as long as you don't make it mandatory, six days a week, year-round. When you start instructing individual players, you're allowed to work with a total of two players every day. No more than two. And you're allowed to do that. However, they did this clinic, and there were more than two players, of course. But for some reason, it was moved indoors one day. So it's all captured on camera. And they were using football equipment. Football equipment... In a camp put on by the school or the booster club is illegal. If it wasn't put on by the booster club, then the clinic is legal, even if they were using equipment, even if they were allowed to be held inside the school. So it boiled down to the violations 
were the, the three violations that they laid out in the original letter, you know, violated the in, you know out-of-season practice, violated the camp rule, because Principal Schreckengoss pointed out that if those two sessions would have been held after the school year let out, they would have been legal because of what the MPSSAA has done now. They're giving teams the opportunity of a two-week camp using blocking pads and footballs and things like that. You can't wear football equipment, but you're allowed to do that. And because it was held in season and put on by the booster club, that's what made it illegal. And thus, like Principal Schreckengoss said, when he went to the hearing, instead of being able to try and prove that they weren't guilty, he knew they were guilty. And that's why they, they had to report because everything's put on Facebook anymore by some schools. So it was out there and other teams, other athletic directors, other superintendents saw what was going on. So they had to self-report the violations. And that's why they are not going to be able to appeal the violations because it was, in fact, a legit violation. And that's why they had to forfeit the season opening game with Decatur. Mark, can I ask you a question? Sure. So is that, and I understand the head coach is ultimately responsible for the program. So is the head coach a de facto head of the booster club too? Because given the fact, as you just pointed out, and I did not know about how the booster club is viewed by the state as an extension of the school. Thus, that's what made it a violation. So is essentially the coach the de facto head of the booster club as well then? I don't think, I wouldn't say that he's the head, but they work hand in hand. And I don't know how they work in in Queen Anne's County at the high school or in in the public schools, but Coach Farragama can probably talk on that better than I can. I mean, because Ken Island had a booster club as well, right? Yeah, Ken Island. I mean, I think every school pretty much has a booster club. And, um... I think the thing to remember is like it's it's a school's booster club, so it is a it is an entity of the school. So you know anything they do is is going to come directly back related to the school, the program, who's ever you know who's ever running that that event. So I mean, I, I hope that answers your question, Mike. And it's well, just go ahead. Yeah, I guess my point being, and I and I didn't know, and and I, I'm sure every school, well, some schools may be different. That is, I just wasn't sure in this case how their booster club was set up. But I guess essentially, though, if the booster club wants to do something, uh, it's up to the head coach to sit there and say, well, actually, we can't do that. So and so head of the booster club, um, you know, we can't do it. You know, so he's ultimately. Uh, responsible for telling whoever's the head of the booster club, hey, yes, we could do it. No, we can't. I guess that's my point. Well, and the thing is... Because he's being charged with the booster club putting this on, which they weren't allowed to do. That fell on Al Waters. That didn't fall on the booster club. Well, and the thing to note here is, you know, Al works tightly with Upper Queen Anne's youth football. He could have run it through Upper Queen Anne youth football, and this whole thing would have been legal. Understood. And, and Understood. Yes. I mean, fair or unfair, everything that happens is on the head coach. Right. Um, 
if, if the registrar registers a kid into school who doesn't belong in your school system and they're caught, it goes back to the, it goes back to the head coach and you're forfeiting games that they played in. Um, like I said, that's, that's either fair or unfair. And I understand, you know, the unfairness of that, but that's just the reality of, of the situation. So, and it was important to note going back into episode 72, you know, when we talked about Al Waters being cleared and having a suspension lifted, that was done so off the assumption uh, that, uh, you know, they didn't follow policy and they didn't follow, you know, the um, you know, the procedures because that's the, the, the violations were still there. He wasn't cleared of the violations. He was cleared of the procedures. So, by the way, that appeal that he won could still be appealed by Queen Anne's County Public Schools if they so desired, if they if they wanted to go that route to have him, you know, carried on with the suspension. But I'm hearing they're not going to do that. Because so, Mark, to, to your point that because there wasn't a hearing at the county level, that's why he won his appeal, as we talked about. It was on procedure and not violation. Correct. But I'm understanding, you know, from the county, from the not not from Principal Schreckengoss, but from right. the county, that while there wasn't a hearing per se, there was notification and there was talk with him regarding that. So I don't think they're going to go the route of appealing that uh, that clearing. I think they just they like us want to put it all behind and let's move forward and and let's do what's best for the kids because in the end it's the kids that get hurt from this. Uh, it's interesting though this I guess guys this is a, a maybe a story for another day. It's interesting though that ultimately the state though did reinstate him to coach so that they put the quote-unquote lack of procedure that that the fact that supposedly that didn't happen they put that above the violations themselves and he's cleared to coach again I mean to me it would seem like well if they're really if the bottom line is you know the violations that's the issue here then you would have thought that the the state would not have ultimately reinstated him you know what I'm saying it just it seems maybe a bit a bit backwards. Well, but keep in mind, he hired an attorney to fight that he didn't get proper procedure. And that's what got him cleared. It wasn't, they didn't no, fight, I, the, I, they I, didn't I, fight no, the violations. I, they fought, yeah, I, right. they, hey, you know, all right, well, they didn't fight whether the violations were true or not. What they fought right. was we didn't get the proper procedure, so we want that cleared. And, yeah. Well, that's kind of like a courtroom situation. You may right. have been guilty, but if they didn't follow proper procedure, then technically, yeah, you can win that appeal and get a new trial. So, exactly, yeah. exactly. Coach, did, did you were starting to chime in there. Something you wanted to add? No, it's, I, I, I can't see. I, I don't think Queen Anne's would appeal um, the ruling by the MPSSA because they've already hired a new head coach. I mean, it's really, why would they care if Coach right. Rogers coached somewhere else? Right. Right. No, absolutely. All right. I want to I want to move on to a couple other things that were said um, in the conversations with Al Waters uh, regarding the recruiting process and also the grade point averages Um, in in talking with Principal Schreckengast yesterday uh, about this. He was able and they heard the podcast, so they went and did some research. Okay. 
um, and they shared the average GPA with me. All right. Um, so back in 2022, last year, uh, the average GPA, they looked at the second quarter to the fourth quarter. Okay. And, and looked at what it was that how it dropped. And they did it for 2023 uh, as well. So what we found was the second quarter in 2022 was a 3.3 GPA average for the football team. And to the fourth quarter, it dropped to a 3.1 average GPA. Kids were out of sports. They weren't being held. You know, it's different. I mean, that's why schools want to have their, you know, student athletes participating in every sport so that, you know, or each season so that you can kind of help keep their grades up. This year, the second quarter at the end of the uh, second quarter, which is there at the end of the uh, football season, it was, again, a 3.3 GPA average. And this year in the fourth quarter, it was a 3.0. So pretty impressive. You know, as an average for a team, you know, I, I'm sure there were a couple that dropped a little lower, but 3.0 is a GPA average. It sounds to me like the kids are still being held accountable in this process. And, and coach, I mean, you, you've been doing it for many years at, at Kent Island. You did it at Old Mill. I mean, you've been around when you are dealing with kids and trying to keep their GPAs up. Because the fourth quarter is important because that plays into next year's, you know, being eligible. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually, you had a, I wouldn't say an argument with a teacher, but a discussion with a teacher. Um, it was out of season and kids, the kid was missing workouts because he had to go get extra help with his teacher. And I was like, well, during the season, the kid's got a 3-2, and out of season, he has a 2-7. So I think more time with me is really going to help as opposed to more time with you because I'm going to make sure he gets that stuff done. Right. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Keeping the grades up, not just the fourth quarter to stay eligible. Eligibility is a bare minimum, and I, the eligibility standard is actually kind of embarrassing um, with a, with a 2.0 GPA. Um, that is average, and I don't think any football coach out there is, is preaching to their kids that we've got to be average. Yeah, I would agree with well, you on that. And, Mark, I mean, to your point, one of the things that Coach Waters said is that grades have dropped off in the last you know, several months, and that obviously based on what you said, for the most part – yeah, maybe slightly, but that's out of season. But generally, that's still a really good number. And that I think maybe the impression of what he had said, as compared to the numbers you just uh, were given and presented, that that's not that's not necessarily the case. Um, so that's just that's one of the things that were said there, just to to give to put that in context for our listeners. Well, and we're dealing with facts here. I mean, this is coming straight from the school. So what? Yeah. And, 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 and Mark, to that point, when Al said that, when Coach Waters said that, we didn't have numbers to be able to, to say one way or the other well, he, whether he was, you know, uh, uh, giving us the, the, the full truth or not on that. 
so for people that have been upset that we didn't push back, well, we don't have, you know, we don't have access to that kind of stuff unless we ask for it. And, you know, at the time, we didn't have Principal Schreckengoss right next to us. So we had no way to say one way or the other. And that's why we reached out to get the other side of the story. So, again, people that got upset about us, we said that this is one half of the story. We want to hear from Queen Anne. So, uh, again, people that are upset um, our homework now, and you're hearing about it as we speak. Yeah, and and in defense of Coach Waters, it's possible he may known of, you know, a couple of kids, and he could have been referring to just, you know, a sure. couple of kids instead of a whole team, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, we're focused on the team, and, and this right. is, it, it's all about the kids. Uh, when it comes to the recruiting, you know, Coach Ferragamo, you and I had a conversation about, uh, you know, recruiting and when, when you step away from the process and when you step away from coaching uh, in, in the way that you, you handle it. And I talked to Coach Griffith, you know, at Easton, the same thing when he stepped away. You know, the college coaches can't keep up with the constant changes. So it's possible after you step away that a college coach calls you. And if you, when you stepped away, you still got calls. How did you handle that? I still get texts from coaches every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just basically you know, let the coach know that, you know, I stepped down and that Coach Sofanowski is now leading uh, Ken Island again. I forward, forward his number along to him. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's, yeah, I, I commend Al for, I mean, he just went to a camp this week and took four kids, I think, to Widener University in Pennsylvania. Walker. You know, yes. and I commend him for doing that and trying to, I guess, see his job through in the sense of trying to get these kids recruited. But at the same time, I don't want to knock Brian Mooney because he's probably doing the same thing that if given the opportunity, and there are still colleges that have come in there, you know, since he's taken over the program, and if he doesn't know, you can't knock him, you know, and it's one of those things, I think, that uh, you got to give him a chance to get his feet wet. The guy just got there, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's right. Go ahead, Coach. There's a lot that goes into that whole recruiting aspect of it. Um, as far as, as far as taking kids away to camp, um, you know, like I said, I commend Coach Waters for that because, like, you can be removed from the position, but they can't remove your emotional attachment to those kids that you built relationships with, and you want to see and you want to see them be successful. But um, gosh, there's so much involved with transcripts and visiting with coaches that come to the school, and you know, you're on the phone sending film. That there's a lot that goes into it, uh, and uh, I'm sure Coach Mooney will do a, do a great job with it. Well, like I said before, I think everybody needs to get behind whoever the coach is. And right now, that's Coach Mooney. Yeah, absolutely. And he is the coach. He's not being removed. And uh, he is going to be moving forward. He's assembly staff. And and they are ready to go. And, um, you know, Coach Waters is, you know, probably actively looking for another school to go to. And if not, like he said, you know, he'll get to enjoy spending some time with his daughter at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon or, or a weekday afternoon, whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, I, I just think it was important for us to 
to get this back out there so that folks know that uh, we did get to the rest of the story. This next segment of the podcast sponsored by our friends at Preston Ford. Yeah, hey, why not get behind the wheel of a new or pre-owned automobile? Whether you're looking for a Ford, a Lincoln, a Nissan, a Mazda, a Hyundai, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, they got it all. Preston Ford, PrestonMotor.com is where you can see the inventory. And, of course, uh, Earl Wilson says you can always reach out to him at 410-924-5844. All right, so let's uh, we'll start to wrap this up here uh, because it was just going to be a brief, you know, commentary anyway. Uh, before we move on to something else, I got to say thank you to uh, John, uh, Principal Schreckengoss for reaching out to us and trying to clear things uh, because I think it was important for folks to hear the rest of the story, I guess you could say, in the old Paul Harvey days. Yeah, and I, and I, I go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. I, I just wanted, I, I, you know, I want to say something about Coach Schreckengoss or uh, Mr. Schreckengoss. I coached under him my entire time as an assistant coach when I was at Kent Island and all the way up until my last year at Kent Island. And I can only speak from my own personal experience, but he was a, he was a wonderful administrator to, to coach under. Um, I coached his son, Bert, who went on to, to play at Salisbury, was, was elected captain. He knows the importance of high school athletics, high school football. Um, and while there may be people in the community unhappy with the decision, I guarantee you his decision was made in his mind for the best interest of Queen Anne's County football. Now, same with coaches, right? You always make a decision that's best. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. I guarantee you he's making that decision because he believes it's the best for Queen Anne's County football. Yeah, and Mark, I was just going to say, I know I had um, iterated some frustration or expressed some frustration about not being able to get any information during this time when I reached out. Um, to Queen Anne's County officials, including Principal Schreckengoss. But I, I, as you just mentioned, I, I appreciate him coming forward, talking to you, giving us information. And I understand that a lot of the personnel end of it is, is not something he can discuss with us anyway. And I, I understand that. I respect that. Um, and I just appreciate now that now that this process is, is wrapped up, and that was probably his thinking that I'm not really going to say anything until we have a conclusion to this, I appreciate him reaching out because he could he could have not reached out to us, um, but he did. So I appreciate that, and I, I felt like with me you know, fr- voicing some frustration now that he has come forward that I should give him thanks for, for, the, uh, for the info, and, and I, I am appreciative of that. So that, yes, as you talked about, Mark, we could give the rest of the story. And, again, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, we prefaced both at the beginning and end of the last podcast that this was one side of the story that we want to hear from Queen Anne's. So for anybody that got upset that felt like we were painting um, things a certain way and painted it in favor of all of Coach Waters and that we weren't uh, trying to give, you know, balanced side or something like that, that's not true. And, again, we didn't know what he was going to say about various topics or people or coaches. We can't control that. But once he says it, then we can reach out and have them respond, and we've done that. So that's all we could do. So, again, I'm sorry if there were hurt feelings, but we weren't trying to just give one side of the story. That's never been the case here. 
it has been one of our most popular episodes. <laughs> Let's put it to you that way. A lot okay. of people have listened to that podcast. Episode 72 uh, just raised itself in the rankings and has done so over the last 48 hours. This next segment sponsored by our friends at Peretinoid Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Peret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Brett Moy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. Guys, before we let you go, and now that we've got it behind us, unfortunately, Queen Anne's does have to forfeit their first game. That will not be appealed because of the violations. (laughs) I want to look forward to the, the season and Mikey, you are the power pole king, <laughs> and, and and I'm thinking already. Here we are, June 16th. Decatur has got to be the number one team in the Bayside Power Pole. Well, especially since Coach Ferengamo's on this podcast, I think given what Ken Island did last year, when that was not expected at all. Not that I didn't expect that they would have a winning record and be very competitive as they always are. But we didn't see that coming, to be fair. And that was a team that had a lot of high school senior, or excuse me, a lot of senior graduations. I think it would be unfair to entirely count Ken Island up at the top of that conversation. But yes, no doubt, given what Decatur did, they have to be very strongly considered at the top. I think that Ken Island absolutely deserves to be in that conversation as well. Since they made it to the championship game, uh, Decatur made it to the semifinal. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I want to sit down and talk to some of the coaches via Zoom and uh, get some more information about their teams to better formulate things. But, yeah, I think those are two schools right now that certainly you will expect to see at the top. Uh, and then we'll see about any others. But, yeah, those would be the two right now. Ferragamo, would you agree that it's uh, Decatur 1, Ken Island 2? I didn't say I'd agree with that at all, but I'm not sure what it would be. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you do, especially before any games are played. I, I always look at a program and the coaches, and who who consistently does it all the time. There's a reason they do it all the time. There's a reason when coaches go from one program to another, success follows them to the other program. So, without a single game being played, I'd look at those guys who have a history of being successful, and they'd be at the top of my poll. Yeah, yeah. And, and coach, you know this. Sorry, Mark, Mark, to interrupt, but coach, you know this too. Um, and it's just like at the college and NFL level. You're right. You look at the coaching here, but you also look at okay, where do they stand at the quarterback position? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a big that, part. That is that is true. And um, right, Fred, we don't know where Decatur stands at the quarterback positions. We don't know who's going to be playing it. <laughs> you know, we, we know that no, there's I- one kid over there who's pretty good. Who's, who's played it pretty well, but, you know, we're not sure exactly who's going to be uh, behind center. Well, and Decatur just no, got I, in a, a, a pretty, good, pretty good recruit, uh, Kareen Bolden. Oh, well, not a recruit, a transfer, uh, who is an excellent basketball player, um, but uh, also a football player. Uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to see how he uh, gets uh, – implemented into the offense and defense there for Decatur as well. Well, I I expect Bryson Coleman to be the starting quarterback, but you never know what they may have up their sleeves in Berlin there. So could somebody else uh, be in the mix uh, 
possibly, but I expect Bryson will be the starter, though. It'll be interesting. And, and of course, when you look at Sofanowski's team and and what they have, uh, it'll be interesting to watch that develop and what Brian Mooney is going to be able to do with with the kids there at Queen Anne's County High. Um, You know, they did lose Parker Whiteford with him going um, uh, across the bridge to DeMatha and uh, that rising freshman who probably wasn't going to be a varsity player his first year anyway, but, you know, a decent quarterback that could develop into one, you know, going to St. Mary's. But yeah, that happens all the time, especially with Queen Anne's, Kent Island, and even Decatur and Y High, too, it seems. But I think, you know, it, it's going to be an exciting year. Because I think it's wide open. Easton's going to be young, very young. Uh, You know, and and they still have an O'Connor at quarterback or vying for quarterback. You know, Mike O'Connor back from his injury. And, you know, maybe maybe you'll see um, Dustin Blue running quarterback. Maybe you'll see uh, Kyrie Acri running quarterback. I mean, it's hard to say what they're going to do. But at the same time, they got plenty of time to figure it out. And now with the MPSSAA allowing you to have a two-week camp instead of having to go reg- go away somewhere and not being able to coach your kids in said camp, I think that's only going to help these football teams. Yeah, and Coach, I'm curious to get your take on this because we've got five new head coaches this year in the Bayside Conference, and, and some of which we did not expect to have happen some of which we knew were was going to happen. Uh, but in terms of your experience, and it doesn't matter whether it's in the Bayside or outside of the Bayside with Old Mill, but for first-year head coaches, what are a couple of the things that they really need to make sure that they do in order to be successful? What are some of the challenges for these first-year head coaches, uh, regardless if they've been in the program or not along the way? Well, the biggest challenge for me when I first became a head coach is that you don't know what you don't know. And there's going to be all kinds of problems that you weren't anticipating would fall on your desk that are going to come, but have be it fundraisers, be it eligibility, be it whatever the case may be. Um, but I think it's important for all those coaches to be themselves and not try to emulate the person before them or emulate the person that coached them or the program they came with. You know, they all have strong beliefs and just, you know, go all in on yourself and bet on yourself and, uh, you know, get those kids working hard. I mean, Mark, the five new head coaches, that that presents the big X factor here. And I do think that when you look at right now in the 2A, when you look at um, Sofanowski, when you look at Coleman, when you look at Griffith, those guys have a lot of experience. Under we're, we're starting that's to, a big. We're starting to lose you, Mike. I said with uh, I said with Sofanowski and Coleman and Griffith in the two A, those guys have a lot of experience under their belt, and I think that's a that's an advantage there when you take a look though at at power poles and where teams are going to be this year with five new head coaches, some of the two A, some of the one A. You know, those are big X factors. So, um, you know that that's a big advantage though with those three programs right now. And, and don't leave out Riley. My goodness, he he he's the veteran of the group now. So uh, it it'll be fun to watch all of these teams. Uh, uh, you know, maneuver over the next uh, a couple of months because we are uh, less than two months away from the start 
of the high school football season. Our preview show will happen, our annual preview show happening on Friday, April, uh, August 25th. And uh, you'll be able to hear it and follow along all year long on 94.3 Winks FM and at ForeverMidshore.com. Hey, uh, guys, summertime is coming. Make sure you get your hook sunglasses from an optical galleria. Three locations to serve you. Located on West Water Street in Centerville, downtown Easton on Harrison Street, and in the Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City. Hook sunglasses. They are amazing. They offer prescription sunglasses as well. Check them out online, hookoptics.com and eisenart.net. That's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm going on vacation, fellas. I am back and uh, we'll be back with another broadcast, another podcast coming up on, uh, why don't we do one on the 10th of July? All right, and if I have to do something in the meantime, emergency-wise, we'll we'll do it, but sounds good to me, Mark. Yeah, so, Coach, thanks for joining us today, and how are you going to spend your summer? I'm not going to lifting and not going to seven-on-sevens and not worrying about <laughs> <laughs> Maybe working, waking up and working on the farm. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I have one uh, one coaching note as well in women's basketball, girls basketball. Uh, Stephen Decatur is has just introduced Brittany Tracy as the new girls basketball head coach there at Decatur. Uh, she's been an assistant for six years and uh, passionate, knowledgeable, and ready to serve. So congratulations to Brittany Tracy uh, taking over the program there at Stephen Decatur. They've been really successful, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what her philosophy is like, uh, too. And we'll have to see if we can't get her on when we get back from vacation as well. So thanks again, guys, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you share the podcast. And uh, if you want an easy link to the podcast, you don't want to go search for it, you can always go to shoresportsmd.com, and uh, we'll have a new podcast out on July 10th. For Coach Ferragamo and Mike Bradley, I'm Mark Potter saying so long. We'll talk to you in July with Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.